you know, it's, it's interesting to be talking about uh, light and darkness in what has been, it seems, the darkest month ever, <laughs> uh, which then today the sun comes out and we're all inside. So I did think for a minute to move us all outside and then <laughs> preach from there. Uh, there, is, there is this quote that uh, I, was, um, I was in one of the deep cleaning modes the other day and had my, my headphones on and um, no judgment, but an Indigo Girls song came on. And in there it had the, the quote and the phrase that the, the darkness is insatiable. It's always hungry. And I felt like that's a pretty good description not just of the world, but of our context here in the Pacific Northwest and in Seattle, that the darkness is insatiable. It's always looking <laughs> to grow and always looking to bring us into that darkness. Now, our reading today out of Isaiah and then again out of Matthew, they, they're very well connected together. First, it starts talking about the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, and then calls it Galilee, which is the way that most of us are pretty familiar with it. But that area is an area that is known to be far off, a Gentile, at one point enemies of the Lord. And so for them to be given the uh, prophecy that the light will come to them is pretty shocking and pretty surprising to everybody especially those that are of uh, the Jewish people that are hearing from Isaiah and that, that the people of Nephtali and Zebulun, that for them the light will come. For those that walk in darkness, a light. This is, this is different from anything else. Anyone else in the world, anybody who is a part of the world as we knows it, will tell you that in order for any light to come to you, you need to work for it. You need to prove yourself before you can be rewarded with anything. I mean, that's how we even teach our children. And rightfully so, I'm not, you know. But they have to work to be given their ice cream at night. Now, we won't do that, but a treat or watch Frozen for a couple of minutes or something. <laughs> you know, they have to behave before such grace is shown to them. And the people of Naphtali and Zebulun, the Galileans, they're... They're not those people. They're not the ones that should be given such treatment. In reality, one of the things that Jimmy said about light, I think, rings pretty true. John says it in his own ways in John chapter 1. The people love darkness. All of us, in some way or another, love darkness. And we love to kind of stay in darkness, whether it's, it's because of the food stains on your sweater or the, the hole that was created there from overuse, whatever it may be, you love the darkness. Certainly the world we live in does too. Because there are certain things that the darkness can kind of keep us from, or at least we pretend the darkness can help us hide from. One of those might be death. Darkness can kind of help us push that off. I mean, we see in the world today the countless ways that people keep working to push off death. Uh, great health, great eating, all the different programs that everybody entered at the new year, 
all the ways in which we can buy our health, hopefully prolong our time here. Certainly, somewhere along life, people become maybe accepting of the idea that death will come, but really all of us just want to get to heaven and nobody really wants to die, or as is said by a famous rock star, or Woody Allen. I'm okay with death, but I just don't want to be there when it happens. (laughs) A fear of that, something we want to hide from. Scripture calls it the last thing to be defeated, the final enemy that we have. If we stay in darkness, if we keep our head in the sand, we don't actually have to face it. We can just keep carrying on. But most of the world, and let's be honest, doesn't put too much thought into death anymore. We've done everything we can to kind of push it out of the way and to separate it from the rest of our society, the rest of our dealings in life. It comes to now where when somebody dies, we try to wait as long as we can before we even address it with a memorial. We try to stick them in the ground and make it as easy and simple and fast as possible so we don't have to stand there over the grave and be reminded that death actually happens. So maybe the fear that that is keeping your neighbor or keeping yourself in the darkness is actually something more along the lines of of, a fear of inability. The fear of actually not being able to be everything that everyone thinks that you are. It's like the the co-worker that's suddenly discovered to not be very good at their job. We're afraid of being that co-worker in our life. Who here is not afraid of being the worst parent, of being the one who cannot meet the expectations of our spouse or loved one? Who here is is not afraid of where the next meal might actually come from or whether we have enough in the bank, whether you were the great saver that you thought you were or the person who just thought, I can live for this moment and the next moment is tomorrow. Maybe that's where darkness can maybe find us cover. Or we can live and just stay in that fear, but do it quietly. Just do it in the back of our mind. But I think in reality, for most of us, our fear that keeps us in darkness is exposure, being exposed, people actually seeing who we are, seeing what it is that that we're thinking about in our mind. The way that we, we walk up to the altar in complete holiness to receive the body and blood, but the minute we sit down, we're thinking of how awful the person is that just walked by. Fear of being exposed as maybe the wretch that we are. The one who constantly has his or her thoughts about somebody else than the one they're married to. Someone who would rather hide 
the history of their computer or their phone. A one who would rather stay in the darkness than letting the truth be made known. A lot of us stay in that darkness. We, we may appear to be in that light by putting up a nice facade of our righteousness and our holiness, but in reality, inside, we would rather stay in the dark so that we would not be known for who we are. But the news is, is that for the people of darkness, for the people of Nephtali and Zebulun, for the Gentiles, for those who are out in their darkness, a light has actually come. And that light is not a place of fear. All those other things find themselves in fear. The fear of death, the fear of inability, the fear of exposure, all of that is fear-based. Every step that a person in the dark makes is fearful of stubbing their toe on one of those walls. But the light that has come is a light that takes fear away. A light that has come is a light that brings about peace. What would it be to be afraid of death but to hear that that enemy of ours has finally been conquered? To be afraid of the grave, but to hear that the graves of those who place their trust and faith in Christ will be empty. A light that is so strong it pierces into the decaying hearts of ours and promises that they will beat eternally. Taking away our fear of such a conclusion as death. Taking away the fear of our inability. A world that is wrapped up in the way it must strive for its own survival. Carrying with us the baggage of all of our accomplishments, only to open up the bags and see that they're empty. But the light that has come has done away with that fear. Because in this light, in this Savior, the one that has come to Zebulun, the one that has come to Naphtali, you're not known by your abilities. You're not recorded as your best mother and father, the greatest friend to the weak. You're not recorded as the one who is the most faithful husband and daughter ever made. But as a child, God, a child of the light, one who the Lord looks on and calls beloved, one who finds their birth not in the abilities of man, but in water and word. What of this light that comes in our lives to take away the fear of exposure, takes away the fear of our confession? That we are, by all best measures, poor, miserable sinners. A light, though, that when it hears that says, you are forgiven.
You are not that sin. But you have my righteousness, clothed over all of the stains, the blemishes, over all the food stains on your sweater. Exposure turns not into something of fear, but a place of truth. A place where every time our sin is exposed, it is an opportunity, a place where we come to know our God more instead of a place of despair. A place where we find how far our God will actually reach into our lives instead of a place we wish to hide away. A place that is no longer known in the dampness of dark, but in the warmth of light. The light has come and has shown himself to you. A life that is not a life of fear, but a life of hope. I was trying to think of the ways to try and describe this. I mean, after all, we went through Advent where we talked a lot about light. Uh, we're now in Epiphany, which surprisingly is also a lot about light, you know. So trying to not build up some sort of straw man for you here, but to give an example of what a, light, uh, a life in the light can actually look like. And I wanted to turn to the, the psalm. Oh, good. I was a little worried when I put this in the slides. It was all messed up, and uh, Mike fixed it for you all. Um, put this into the psalm that we have for today. Uh, and these are words that are, are written by David. And they're really written as a prayer that comes before him. And, and the, what Janelle and Justin sang for us earlier is pretty word for word. Hear, O Lord, begins the prayer. When I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. And my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my mother and my father have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. What drew my attention to this psalm is the fact that actually, as the psalmist writes, he's still in the midst of the darkness. He's still in the midst of his struggle. If you notice the tense and the way that he's speaking about his enemies, where are his enemies? They're right around him. They're still there. Much like the enemies of us, our sins and our trials and our tribulations, they are still here around us. Notice the confession that the psalmist gives here about those that are around him. Even his mother and his father have forsaken him. We even hear this today of people in their pleas about their home life, the ways in which fathers and mothers have forsaken them. This may be poetry, but for too many, this is reality. David is confessing the same thing, making the statement that this is still a struggle, still a place that this is happening, but his prayer continues to rise up. 
It is not a place where he takes that into a darkness of despair and goes down, but rather it emboldens his prayer to the Lord even more. You say, seek my face, and I say back to you, O Lord, your face do I seek. For it is warm and comforting compared to the face of my adversaries. Darkness would rather keep us in a place with the adversaries, hiding, stubbing our toe, hearing the words of lies they share with us of our exposure, our inability, and our death. Give me not up to their will, O Lord. Give me not up to their will, for their false witnesses have risen against me. But instead, in this light, what rises? Life. Hope. Eternity. The prayer ends in an interesting way, where David takes it, And he makes statements at the end of the prayer. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This prayer of David is a prayer of the people of the light living in a world of darkness. Our adversaries call us into the darkness, but you who are in the light, you who have been born of the, of the Spirit in this water and word, you who the Lord has continued to come to, take courage. Wait for the Lord. For not only is he coming, but his light is with you now. No longer are you of your inabilities, now you are of his trust. No longer are you in the fear of exposure, now you are in his forgiveness. No longer are you the ones to fear death, you are now in his life. You will look upon the Lord. For in this faith you are in the land of the living. And we wait with anxiousness for it to come. A light has come to the land of darkness and we will wait with courage for the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.